0: Welcome, Christian Israel, Pastor Eli James here. This is, of course, Genesis to Revelation. No, Dan, today he's got uh, a family event down south, and so not going to be with us today. And so rather than continue where we left off last week, I was thinking of doing a study on the blood of Athaliah, or Athalia. I'm not sure which is the correct pronunciation it seems to be confusion on that, but I think Dan had it right when we briefly covered those verses dealing with Athaliah, he was pronouncing Athaliah, so I think that's the correct uh, pronunciation, I'll just go with that, (coughs) excuse me, but it's an extremely important subject, namely because Athaliah, her blood is in the line of descent of Yahshua Messiah. And of course, we in Eurofolk Radio and Christian Identity, the vast majority of people in Identity uh, assert that no polluted blood could possibly have entered the line of Yahshua Messiah. So, and the problem is, uh, Athaliah is considered by many uh, to be the daughter of Jezebel. And if Jezebel is, in fact, a, a Zedonian, which would be a Canaanite, then there's polluted blood in the mix there. there, there there's a, a Canaanite in the woodpile. However, doing a thorough analysis of the language of Scripture about Jezebel, Athaliah, Ahab, the king of Tyre, etc., etc. We have to recognize that this uh, area, this area of study and this area of history was shortly after the the falling apart of the 12-tribe nation in the two houses and uh, (coughs) excuse me and if you trace the bloodlines very, very carefully it becomes apparent that the king of Tyre and Zedonia were just at the process of becoming paganized and hadn't yet fully become paganized and there's some interesting history about how the these Zedonia, which were actually Israelites, they were Israelite tribes, became known as the Phoenicians, mistakenly so, and the the tribes that were actually in the area of Sidonia, and Zidon, and Tyre. Okay, so we're going to get into that today because I want to demonstrate the fact that whether Jezebel was a blood a, a blood Canaanite or not, it, uh, it appears that Athaliah was not her blood daughter, but a stepdaughter. So, but let's get into it. Because you know, this is important stuff, but we can assume uh, without uh, fear of contradicting ourselves that there's no, you know, because his, his blood had to be perfect, He's, the, the, the Messiah had to be without spot or blemish, and that includes the blood, not just his physical appearance, which is what people you know, focus on, but no, the blood has to be pure too, and so there's no foreign blood in the bloodline of our Messiah. So let's just give some background information here. Let's see, because I put the uh, link to the article that I wrote on the subject, the blood of Athaliah. And I'm going to start here at uh, a brief history of Athaliah, Orthodox Judeo version. Athaliah, Hebrew at- 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 ataliah God is exalted, was the only ruling queen in Judah, although she was not a descendant of the house of Judah. She came from the house of Israel of Amri and Ahab. Now remember, Amri is the king by which the ten northern tribes became known as Chamarians by the Greeks. And these people uh, are not understood by mainstream historians to be Israelites because they're addressed as Qumru and Qamarians by outsiders. But nevertheless, the name Qumru and Qamarian comes from King Amri, which means they are Israelites and only Israelites and no other people. This is what the historians and theologians outside of identity fail to grasp. Anyway. She was the daughter of King Ahab of the house of Israel and Queen Jezebel of Zidonia. Now again, this is the Orthodox Judea version. Ahab married her off to King Jehoram of Judah, that is, Athaliah. This marriage to Jehoram was arranged to seal a treaty between the two nations. After Jehoram's death, Ahaziah, son of Jehoram, and Athaliah, okay, so uh, Ahaziah is the son of, of Jehoram and Athaliah, Jehoram being a Judahite and Athaliah being of the house of Israel, became Judah's king. However, during the time of Elijah the prophet, a battle between Israel and Judah took place. Ahaziah, son of Athaliah, was killed by Jehu, along with Athaliah's mother Jezebel, plus her brother King Joram of Israel, and many other royal family members. In response to General Jehu's actions, Athaliah then staged a coup in Jerusalem, placing herself on the throne and attempting to eliminate any possible royal heir. So she was not good for the house of Judah or for the house of Israel, for that matter, uh, being uh, the daughter of Ahab. So one way or another, she is related to Ahab, either by direct descent as Ahab's daughter, or by uh, Amri. So she would be the granddaughter of Amri, possibly adopted by Ahab. Or, but nevertheless, she is an Israelite one way or another. Now, the, the question before us today is whether she, her blood was polluted by that of the Canaanites. That's the question we want to pursue today. She reigned for about six years and continued King Jehoram's policy of allowing the worship of both Baal and Yahweh. So there was combined worship of the two deities. The high priest Jehoiada, meanwhile, and had hidden and nurtured Athaliah's young grandson, Joash. It is also possible that Jehoram had at least one other wife, who could have been the mother of Joash. If this is the case, and it is indeed possible, as the Bible does not employ such terms as stepsister or half-brother, then Joash would not have been the blood descendant of Athaliah. This would solve the problem of potential pollution of the bloodline. However, Second 2 Chronicles 22.10 unequivocally states that Athaliah was Amaziah's mother. Eventually, Jehoiada overthrew and executed Athaliah and placed Joash on the throne in her place. All of this took place around 842 to 835 B.C., with the uh, separation of the two houses occurring around 900 B.C. So this was like one generation after that separation. Here is the genealogical record, which is pertinent to our study, now dealing exclusively with the house of Judah. Asa, king of Judah, begat Jehoshaphat, who married Azubah, who became his queen, 1 Kings fifteen twenty four, begetting Jehoram, and Jehoram is the one who married Athaliah, and their son is Ahaziah. So just remember, just try to keep this straight, Ahaziah is the son of Jehoram and Athaliah, Jehoram being a Judahite, and Athaliah being of the house of Israel. And we want to find out if she's if she is a pure blooded Israelite. Now remember, both houses had very evil kings and kings and queens. Doesn't matter if they're evil or not. We're only talking about the bloodline and whether they have got polluted blood or not. After Jehoshaphat's death, Athaliah rose to the position of queen consort because Jehoram became Judah's king. Meanwhile, Athaliah's brother also called Jehoram. <laughs> or Joram, had become king of Israel following Ahab's death. Athaliah had several children with her husband, Jehoram. The Book of Kings condemns this marriage to the daughter of Ahab and indicates that he lost control of his Edomite vassals. Now, it's also important to understand, a lot of people who, especially the the Judeo-Christians, assume there was a lot of racial mixing, between these Edomites and Israelites during this time. And the more history I read of this period, the, the less convinced I am that this uh, was a major deal, namely the m- blood mixing between the Canaanites and, uh, and our Edomites with the Israelites. They were m- mainly held in tribute because Yahweh had ordered the Israelites to exterminate them or drive them out of the territory. And, of course, they did not fully succeed in doing this, but uh, the idea that there was wholesale race mixing going on between these Edomites and Israelites, it doesn't say that anywhere in Scripture. So they were held in tribute, and the fact is the Israelites were forbidden to take them uh, as personal slaves in their own households. So the relationship between the Israelite nations and the Canaanite nations was one of tribute, which meant that they primarily stayed separate in their territories, in their little fiefdoms, and there was not much uh, sexual or social interaction. Well, because they hated each other, right? These, these two groups, because the Canaanites and Edomites are the evil bloodline uh, of Edom and Satan, Nachash in the Old Testament, so there was no love loss between these two groups of people, nothing to indicate that there was any kind of wholesale you know, sexual contact between the two groups. So let's continue. Jehoram was the son of Jehoshaphat and the father of Ahaziah. He should not be confused with his brother-in-law Jehoram of Israel. So the record shows up to this point that Athaliah's blood is contained in the genealogy of the kings of Judah. Her son Ahaziah is now the reigning monarch in Judah. Jehoram of Judah did evil in the eyes of Yahweh. 2 Kings 8.18 which is very common for all the kings whether of Israel or of Judah which is a reference to his toleration of Baal worship. So we have to understand that the Israelites and the Canaanites had a blood feud and a mutual hatred of one another, and there's no way that the Canaanites would worship Yahweh. The Canaanites knew that Yahweh was exclusively the God of Israel. They hated Yahweh. They hated the name of Yahweh. They hated Israel, and they, you know, there was no uh, social interaction between the two groups except possibly uh, in terms of commerce. So, uh, so this is a situation that, uh, that pertained in, in, this, in this area. During the war against Syria, Ahaziah was visiting Joram, who had been wounded in battle against the common Syrian foe. Ahaziah was killed along with Joram at Yehu's orders, so Yehu being of Judah. Thus, Athaliah lost both her brother and son, both of them kings. Her alleged mother, Jezebel, also died at Jehu's hands. After Athaliah's death, Ahaziah married Zebiah, a woman of Judah. The genealogy continues. Ahaziah married Zebiah. Joash is their son, also known as Jehoash. Since Ahaziah was Athaliah's son by Jehoram, it is clear that Joash still carried one-fourth of Athaliah's blood. When she killed the other sons, Joash was hidden by his aunt, Jehosheba, and conveyed to the temple where she and her husband, the priest Jehoiada, brought him up. I would say at this point that Yahweh used the, uh, the aunt, Yehoshiba, to preserve the, the bloodline. So there's no doubt if her blood were truly polluted, that if if Athaliah's blood were truly polluted, Yahweh would not have bothered with this. He would have just found a different, uh, you know, heir, uh, strictly from Judah. And uh, there were many to choose from with unpolluted blood. Anyway, she thus seized control of the kingdom of Judah and killed her own grandchildren, that is, Athaliah. Apparently, Athaliah wanted to get rid of the entire bloodline of Judah, even that which contained her own blood. Out of spite, perhaps, or maybe she was hoping to start a bloodline of her own. The Bible does not tell us what her intentions were, but Joash also, well, she was she was not a nice person, right? But Joash, also her grandson, was not killed by Athaliah because he was saved by his aunt Jehoshabah. Oh, deadly drama this. When Joash reached the age of seven, Jehoiada placed him on the throne and executed Athaliah. Joash's reign began well, but disintegrated after the death of Jehoiada, which was when Joash began to worship various foreign idols and ordered the death of Zechariah, Jehoiada's son, who had denounced him for this. After Joash had reigned for 40 years, his own servants killed him, his son Amaziah succeeded him and this is recorded in 2 Kings 11 and 1 Chronicles 3 and Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 22. So what's going on here? Let's trace the blood of Athaliah and so we see here the house of Israel and house of Judah. Amri was of the house of Israel, and Jehoshaphat was of the house of Judah. Ahab was the son of Omri, of the house of Israel, and he married Jezebel, bearing Jehoram and Athaliah. Okay, and then we have from the house of Judah, Joram or Jehoram, known by two two names, and Jehoram and Athaliah of Israel, or sister and brother. Athaliah married Jehoram, king of Judah. So this is where the potential pollution of the bloodline can be found if Athaliah, or Athaliah is, in fact, a Canaanite, a descendant of Je- and It still remains to be proved whether Jezebel was a Canaanite woman or whether just she was just an evil Israelite woman, because there's plenty of evil Israelite women, right? <laughs> All over the place in scripture. So Athaliah married Jehoram and their son is Ahaziah. Ahaziah married Zebiah, who was of, of Judah, okay? And and Joash, it was their son, and Joash married Jehoadan, and their son is Amaziah. Amaziah married Jekeliah, and their son is Azariah. So there's a lot of names to keep in mind. So let's let's get into whether or not Athaliah was descended from a pure Israelite bloodline, or whether she has Canaanite blood in her. This is the subject at issue. Let's continue. Part 1b. Was Athaliah Ahab's daughter or his sister? Although most classical commentators have regarded Athaliah as the daughter of Jezebel and Ahab, some scholars have argued that she was in fact the daughter of Omri, Ahab's father. So which would be, they would be sisters in this case, and thus Ahab's sister. The scriptures that appear to support the brother-sister relationship are the following. 2 Kings 8.26 and its parallel passage in 2 Chronicles 22.2 2, say that Jehoram of Judah married a quote-unquote daughter of Amri, Ahab's father. The Hebrew word daughter, Bath, can mean daughter, granddaughter, or any female descendant. In the same way that Ben can mean son. Or as Ben Elohim, the sons of God, the sons of Elohim, who... Uh, Uh, left their first estate and raped the daughters of Adam in Genesis chapter 6. The Hebrew word daughter can mean, again, daughter or granddaughter or any female descendant. So it's unclear whether she is Ahab's daughter or not. Of course, Ahab married Jezebel. And if Athaliah is indeed the daughter of Jezebel, then we have to worry about whether Jezebel herself was a pure-blooded Israelite, although an evil one, versus having the blood of Edom and or Canaan running through her body. Okay. Consequently, some modern versions translate that Athaliah was a granddaughter of Amri. So, a lot of confusion here. But the books of Kings and Chronicles give far more attention to Ahab than to Amri, and so it is notable that in these verses it is not Athaliah's relationship to Ahab that is stressed, but her relationship to Amri. This would be reasonable if Amri were her father. The immediately following verses also discuss Ahab, again raising the question of why her relationship to Amri is mentioned, instead of to Ahab. How specific words are translated can make a crucial difference in our understanding of the Holy Scriptures. Now, of course, the vast majority of theologians, and especially Jews, are not interested in the pure blood of Messiah. All of these so-called theologians assume that there is mixed blood or want to argue that there is mixed blood in the bloodline of Messiah. And this is a typical of the Judeo-Christians and, of course, the Jews. So they're not going to go into any great depth as to whether Athaliah had mixed blood running through her veins or Canaanite blood. Second Kings 8.27 says that Jehoram, Athaliah's husband, Jehoram of Judah, This makes it very hard to follow. It's really hard to follow without an actual list of descendants. But Jehoram of Judah, Athaliah's husband, was related by marriage to the house of uh, Ahab. The word hatan commonly is used to specify a father-in-law or a son-in-law relationship. And so this was a new one to me. Hatan uh, is not a word familiar to most of us in identity, or for that matter, to theologians. If Jehoram of Judah was Ahab's son-in-law, the expression that would be expected here would be son-in-law or relative by marriage, to Ahab, not to the house of Ahab. If Athaliah was Ahab's sister, not his daughter, then there is an explanation for the additional phrase house of, okay, so still not quite clear whether Athaliah is a son or daughter of Omri or or Ahab, the support for Athaliah being Ahab's daughter comes from two verses, Second Kings eight eighteen and its parallel in Second Chronicles twenty one six. These verses say that Jehoram of Judah did wickedly because he married the daughter of Ahab. Now. The daughter of Ahab could still be his sister. <laughs> it depends on uh, the understanding of the translators, you know, King James translators at this point in history. Anyway, let's continue. This would seem to settle the question in favor of the daughter relationship, with one precaution: the Syriac version of the Second Chronicles twenty-one six says "sister of Ahab" instead of "daughter." Okay, so. You know, since the King James Translation Committee was not interested in documenting the pure blood of Messiah, they weren't very careful in their recording of history or translation of the history. And it may have already been doctored by the Masoretes because the King James Committee was working from the the redacted and polluted version called the Masoretic Text. as a Jewish version which was not, the, the Jews didn't finish doctoring the Old Testament until 1000 AD. So I, I didn't think before today's show what to see how the Septuagint handled th- these uh, daughter versus sister relationships here. But I think it still becomes clear after we discuss this in greater detail. So the, this textual, so... Again, let me repeat here. The Syriac version of Second 2 Chronicles 21.16 says, sister of Ahab instead of daughter. This textual support for Athaliah, or Athaliah being a sister of Ahab is usually regarded as weak enough to justify translating Bath in Second Kings, that is daughter, 8.26. But Bath doesn't necessarily mean direct descendant. It can mean granddaughter or any other descendant direct descendant. This textual support for Athaliah, being sister of Ahab, is usually regarded as weak enough to justify translating Bath in 2 Kings 8.26 and 2 Chronicles 2.22 as granddaughter, thus bringing the various passages about Athaliah into harmony. Nevertheless, she is presented as Omri's granddaughter and Ahab's daughter. Okay, Bible verses that say Athaliah was King Omri's daughter. Second Chronicles 22, two Forty and two years old was Ahaziah when he began to reign. And remember Ahaziah is considered to be a king of Judah now and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. So he only reigned for one year. His mother's name also was Athaliah, the daughter of Amri. So can you possibly straighten this out? Was Athaliah the daughter of Omri or the daughter of Ahab or his sister? Second Chronicles 22.7 And the destruction of Ahaziah was of God by coming to Jehoram. For when he was come, he went out with Jehoram against Jehu, the son of Nimshi, whom Yahweh had anointed to cut off the house of Ahab. Okay, so Yehu was anointed by Yahweh to cut off the house of Ahab. However, Athaliah was of the house of Omri for sure and possibly of the house of Ahab. Now, now we have, still, assuming that Athaliah was a pure-blooded Israelite, there is no problem. Nevertheless, uh, the the bloodline of the house of Israel in in, uh, in the records of the New Testament eliminate her relatives. They don't, they don't count her relatives, but they do count Joash. So let's continue. Which who would be her son through Jehoram? They do they do count Joash. Second Chronicles twenty two eight, and it came to pass that when Jehu was executing judgment upon the house of Ahab and found the princes of Judah and the sons of, and brethren of Ahaziah that ministered to Ahaziah, he slew them. Okay, so after only one year of reigning, Ahaziah was killed by Yehu. 2 Chronicles twenty-two nine. And he sought Ahaziah and they caught him for he was hid in Samaria and brought him to Jehu. and when they had slain him, They buried him because, said they, he is the son of Jehoshaphat who sought Yahweh with all his heart. So they counted this in his favor. So the house of Ahaziah had no power to keep still the kingdom. So even though there was all this slaying going on, there was no problem, uh, there's no recognition by Yehu. That there is polluted blood. It's just you know the same old, same old. That the, both the house of Israel and house of Judah had very many wicked people sitting on the thrones. Okay, so here we see another example of the term "son of" being applied to Jehoshaphat, who was the great, 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 great grandfather of Ahaziah, five generations before. It actually means descendant of. By the way, this study shows how diligently the scribes of Judah kept the genealogical records. They knew that the Messiah would have to be a pure-blooded descendant of Judah and Tamar. Otherwise, the bloodline could not arrive at Messiah. Why keep the records at all if there was polluted blood? No, the whole purpose of keeping the records is to demonstrate that there is no polluted blood. Based on the language of the various paracopes cited above, I would argue that Athaliah was Ahab's biological daughter or she was an adopted daughter or the daughter of another wife, not the daughter of Jezebel. Nowhere does scripture refer to Athaliah as Ahab's sister, although some people interpret it as such. If Ahab and Athaliah were brother and sister, the Bible would surely say so as it does about the other siblings mentioned in the story. The Bible is always clear about how many sons and daughters a particular patriarch had. Therefore, when the Bible says Athaliah was a daughter of Omri, we're being told that she is a tenant of Omri through Ahab. So it could be she's both a daughter of Omri and a daughter of Ahab, mainly a granddaughter of Omri. For these reasons, I must disagree with those who reckon Athaliah to be King Omri's filial daughter. Okay, so let's continue. Commentary on verse nine And he sought Ahaziah and they caught him, brought him to, and buried him. This verse which is at the first sight seems at variance with Second Kings nine twenty seven and twenty eight, is perhaps a simply surprising instance of undesignated corroboration of history by the treatment of different historians. The verse, for example, corrects the italics of Second Kings nine twenty seven okay. Remember, when the King James Version has italics, that means the editorial committee known as the King King James Translators inserted words to insert their opinion, not necessarily the fact. So expunging these italics throws their proper force into the words at the going up to Gur, showing that Yehu reckoned on that steep hill to enable his pursuing warriors to overtake Ahaziah. This makes sufficiently possible harmony, to say the least, in respect of the remaining incidents narrated of his life that he made for the time a successful flight to Megiddo, afterwards sought to hide in deeper retirement in Samaria, was thence brought to Jehu at Megiddo, and there eventually slain before his eyes, and by his own servants, who must be supposed to have had some attachment to him but probably with the sanction of Yehu himself he conveyed in a chariot to Jerusalem. This is a commentary, uh, unfortunately, I don't have uh, who this commentary was by. Anyway, so, the the confusion still from Scripture is not totally resolved from Second Chronicles and the, the reports in Kings. So, so what's going on here? Okay, so let's switch to the Wikipedia article on a Sometimes a <coughs> different source other than the- theologians has a better view of what's going on. The chronological considerations brought forth by a scholar, and this is from Wikipedia, who advocate the sister theory have to do with determining the earliest age at which Athaliah could have been born and then showing that this is too late for Athaliah to be Ahab's daughter, but not too late if she was his sister. Okay, so when was Athaliah born? Was she born before Ahab could possibly have conceived her? All right, very important point. This brings up the question of who her mother was. It is often assumed that her mother was Jezebel, the only wife mentioned for Ahab in Scripture. But an argument from silence about other wives cannot be conclusive. There is no evidence that she was the daughter of Ahab's chief wife, Jezebel. Athaliah might have been the daughter of another of Ahab's wives. If Athaliah was already alive before Ahab married Jezebel, then we could have a good argument against Jezebel being her mother. This type of research is beyond the scope of this article, but I have found a rabbinical discourse which analyzes these relationships and also concludes that Athaliah was the daughter of one of Ahab's other wives, and therefore not the biological daughter of Jezebel, and is still in doubt whether Jezebel was a pure-blooded Israelite or had Edomite or Canaanite blood. Although I try to avoid Jewish sources in my research, I have done so in this case because it lends credence to the idea that Jezebel was not the literal mother of Athaliah, but only her stepmother. Also, it is very difficult to find scholarly articles on this particular subject, so we have to utilize whatever documents pertain. The author of this rabbinical article states, and this is uh, a quote Rabbi Chaim D. Rabinowitz from 1911 to 2001 explains that although Athaliah was really the daughter of Ahab, she is mentioned as a daughter of Amri to stress her lineage to Amri, though Ahab was legitimately recognized since she was born to Ahab by a, quote, Israelite wife and not by Jezebel, who was not, the, uh, uh, the rabbi says, Jewish. Yeah, well, she was not an Israelite. <laughs> That's he's asserting that Jezebel was not an Israelite, and that's still to be determined. Of course, we know that the Jews, that this rabbi who makes this quote, are the descendants of Esau, Edom, which would make Jezebel a Jew in any case. These rabbis are not concerned with the genealogy of Messiah, whom they disparage as having polluted blood anyway, right? So, but nevertheless, this argument made by the rabbi would suggest that uh, Athaliah was not the daughter of Ahab, which would eliminate Jezebel as her mother. And that's good. That's good for our purposes, okay? So the argument here is that since the Jews would want Messiah to have polluted blood, the, this, this argument by the rabbi would tend to exonerate Athaliah as being the daughter of Jezebel. Okay, so that's good. That's good for our purpose. Let's continue. We have to understand that the Jews have always monkeyed with Scripture in order to falsely claim that Yeshua had tainted blood. The idea that Ruth was a racial Moabitess was also originated by the Jewish rabbis. It should be understood that their interpretations of Scripture cannot be taken seriously. It just so happens that in this instance, and for their own reasons, these rabbis agree with my conclusion that Jezebel was not Athaliah's blood mother. Since the Jews reckoned their heritage through the mother, like the Canaanites did, they violate scriptural law. Today's rabbis show no concern about mixed blood, as all Jews have mixed blood, especially since so many Jewish men marry white women and also women of other races. Since mixed blood among the Jews cannot be denied, I think the real motivation behind this rabbinical article is the attempt by these rabbis to distance themselves from the notorious Jezebel, thus attempting to distance themselves from the Canaanite blood they actually have, but dare not admit to. Of course, we know they have Canaanite blood. They are Canaanites. Nevertheless, their reasoning lends credence to my argument that Athaliah could have been the daughter of Ahab via a different wife. Scripture does not give us the detail about the house of Joseph as it does about the house of Judah. At the time of Omri and Ahab, The house of Joseph, synonym for the house of Israel, had become thoroughly paganized, divorced by Yahweh, and cast out of his sight. Yahweh had intended for these two houses to remain separate, for he had two different destinies in mind for the two houses. The house of Israel was to be banished into the wilderness of Europe, while the house of Judah was to remain in Palestine so that Messiah could fulfill his destiny. By intermarrying with the totally paganized house of Joseph, Jehoram was messing up the plan. This is why the house of Jehoram of Judah down through Joash is cursed. Okay, so even Joash is cursed, even though he reigned. I think he reigned for 40 years, if I remember correctly. So, summing up the genealogy. In addition to what these rabbis have written, I would also suggest one more possibility. Ahab could have adopted Athaliah as his own, just as Jacob adopted Ephraim and Manasseh as his own. All of these possibilities cast doubt upon the assumption that Jezebel was Athaliah's biological mother. This is good news for the bloodline, but it is not definitive proof. We have merely explored the possibilities that the KJV translation leaves open. So, part two... Was Ethbaal, who is Jezebel's mother, a father? Was he a Hebrew or a Canaanite? And this gets very interesting, folks, because it, it uh, impinges upon who, the identity of the Phoenicians. Who are the Phoenicians? Were the Israelites or Canaanites? And you know, many people have argued that the simple, because one historian labeled these seagoing tribes of merchants and mer- merchant uh, seafarers as Phoenicians, that uh, that means that they're not Israelites. Well, no, that's not true. Just uh, renaming somebody does not change their origin. Excuse me one second. <coughs> Let me take a quick swig of coffee here. All right, let's get into it. Was Ethbaal a Hebrew or a Canaanite? There is more encouraging news from biblical history. Assuming that Athaliah was the literal daughter of Jezebel, who is presumed to be a Canaanite by virtue of being a Zidonian, is it possible that Jezebel was not a Zidonian but a Tyrian instead? Secular history suggests that this is a real possibility. In other words, Jezebel may have actually been a Tyrian or a Baal worshipping Israelite descended from Hiram. Several scholars have suggested that the house of Hiram was descended from either Asher or Issachar. Okay? And this is why, and uh, the scriptures record Hiram as being a friend of both David and Solomon. Would David and Solomon befriend a Canaanite or Edomite? who they had been making war against. Not likely. Not likely. Although, later on, for sure, both David and Solomon hired Edomite scribes known as the Nethinim. but not all the Nethinim were Edomites, but they did, even though they were still held under tribute and were not mixing with them racially, they still hired them as scribes which is part of the prophecy that the Canaanites and Edomites would be the servants of the house of Israel. So let's continue. If Jezebel were Athaliah's biological mother, her ruthlessness, it would appear, is based on her religion, which she received from Jezebel. Of course, genetic traits can never be ruled out. Not all Israelites are good people. Here is a good genealogical table of the Hamites, showing where the Zidonians belong in the genealogical tree. The Zidonians were the sons of Canaan, and Ethbaal was Jezebel's father. Ethbaal too, who, according to the testimony of the native historians, belonged to the royal family of Tyre, is called king of the Sidonians in the Bible, 1 Kings 16:31. And the Assyrian texts similarly call Elulai king of the Sidonians, while Menander mentions him as a king of Tyre. It is probable that the king of Sidon, mentioned in the annals of Shalmaneser III, side by side with the king of Tyre, was a vassal of the Tyrian monarch. So it could be a, a paganized Israelite, or an actual Edomite, or Canaanite. The fact that Ethbaal was king of the Sidonians does not definitively mean that he was a racial Sidonian. Just as the Germanic-Israelite-Russian kings were descendants of Zerah Judah, ruling over a vast empire of Slavs, the Tyrians were Hebrews, most likely Israelites as well, who ruled over the Sidonians in the territory of the northern house of Israel that eventually became known as Phoenicia. A lot of historians treat the Phoenicians as an ancient house when, in fact, they are all descended from various tribes of Israel. There is a distinction to be made between Tyrians and Sidonians. The Tyrian kingdom was originally comprised of three Israelite tribes, Dan, Asher, and Issachar, plus a smattering of other Israelites who were good sailors, such as Zebulon. Now, the Canaanites were not known as being good sailors. There's no evidence at all that they were r- roaming the seas or the Mediterranean Sea. Perhaps they had some ships to, you know, sail the Sea of Galilee, but not much evidence. There's really no evidence at all that the Canaanites were either shipbuilders or sailors. The Tyrian Kingdom was originally comprised of these three Israelite tribes: again, Dan, Asher, and Issachar. It is these Tyrians... Now, remember, we're making a distinction between Tyrians and Zidonians now. Tyre was the island kingdom off the coast, and Sidon was on the coast. Both of these, however, were in the territory subsumed by these Israelite tribes. The extent to which they eliminated Canaanites and Edomites is not clear. However... Would, would these Israelite tribes intermarry with Canaanites and Edomites as part of the kingly tribe? I don't think so. Because they hated each other. I don't think that's a possibility. Nevertheless, there could have been some hanky panking going on, as, uh, as always happens, but not in the royal bloodlines. Let's continue. It is these Tyrians who assisted Solomon in building the temple. The Bible tells us that Hiram, king of Tyre, was a worshiper. 2 Chronicles 2.12 The Canaanites never worshipped Yahweh. They were Baal worshippers. It is possible that Ethbaal, (coughs) Jezebel's father, was a paganized Israelite. Just like the entire northern kingdom was. It was under Esbael that the two nations of Tyre and Sidon were being merged together to form what was called by outsiders Phoenicia. It was really Israelite territory. Even the secular historians admit that the Phoenician language and Hebrew are 100% identical. How is that possible? if they're not Israelites. Tyre and Sidon were originally two different groups. The Sidonians were Canaanites who were tributaries to the Israelites. The Tyrians were Asherites. Sidon, called Saida today, was named after the firstborn son of Canaan and probably settled by his descendants. The northern border of ancient Canaan extended to Sidon. Later, Jacob spoke of it as the boundary of Zebulon, Genesis 49.13, and Joshua included it as part of the land promised to Israel, Joshua 13.6. Sidon was included in the inheritance of Asher on its northern boundary, Joshua 19.28. But it was not taken by that tribe in conquest, Judges one thirty one, and 3.3. 3. Settled from the beginning as a port city, Sidon was built on a promontory with a nearby offshore island that sheltered the harbor from storms. Twenty miles south of Sidon, in the middle of the coastal plain, Tyre, called Sour in Arabic today, was constructed on a rock island a few hundred yards out into the Mediterranean. In fact, the city took its name from this rock island. Tyre becomes, or comes from the Semitic Sur, or Arabic Shur, Babylonian Shuru, Egyptian Dur, meaning rock. Historical and archaeological evidence indicate both cities were settled by early 2nd millennium BC and were important seaports long before the Israelites settled in Canaan. Yet, while Sidon was mentioned many times during the Canaanite and early Israelite periods in the Bible, Tyre first appeared as part of Asher's western boundary, Joshua 19.29. So there's no doubt that Tyre was settled by Asher and probably other Israelite tribes. Specifically called the fortified city in this passage, it was noted as a significant landmark. Tyre does not appear again in the Bible until Hiram, king of Tyre, send cedar carpenters and masons to build David's house. Now, we know there's no such thing as Jewish masons and Jewish Jewish carpenters. So, again, the evidence here that Tyre was, in fact, an Israelite city is pretty significant. Although the dates of Homer's Iliad and Odyssey are still in dispute, only Sidon and Sidonians are mentioned 17 times in the Iliad, Odyssey many times, okay? So, and of course, we know that the uh, Iliad and Odyssey are actually a pagan a pagan records of Israelite tribes. They just don't know that they're Israelite tribes, okay? Because of the confusion uh, the historians have thrown upon this entire period. At least some of Homer's usage of the word uh, Phoenician or Tyre and Tyrians appears to relate to the term Sidonian with Phoenicians in general. It would seem that during the second millennium BC, Sidon was the preeminent of the two port cities. It also appears during the first millennium BC, Tyre eclipsed Sidon. Okay, so in other words, Sidon became a tributary to the Israelite kingdom of Tyre. While Tyre And Sidon were considered Canaanite during the 2nd millennium B.C. Scholars call the Lebanese coast after the name of the Israelite conquest of Canaan, Phoenicia. Phoenicia was the name given to the region by the Greeks from their word for purple. The Phoenician coast developed this industry. They specialized in shipping this very valuable commodity all over the Mediterranean world. But these people were Israelites, folks, not, not Jews. Beginning with David, the Tyrian connection became prominent. Hiram, king of Tyre, offered cedar trees, carpenters, and masons to build David's palace. 2 Samuel 5.11 To what extent cedars were used in David's house is unclear, but David did consider his abode to be a palace of cedar. 2 Samuel 7.2 And Yahweh seemed to agree. 2 Samuel 7.7 Later, David utilized the help of Sidonians and Tyrians to provide cedar trees for the temple. Now remember, the Israelites were commanded to oust the Sidonians. But one of the tribes did not follow through. I think that was the tribe of Asher, who never took possession of the land. Nevertheless, the Canaanite tribes were considered tributaries to the Israelites. So whether they were Sidonians or not. It's possible that the Sidonians, racial Sidonians, uh, descendants of Canaan, were helping to move the lumber, etc., from one place to another. But uh, it's apparent to me that there was no racial in- mixing going on here because they, they hated each other. Hiram also offered to bring cedars down from the mountains uh, and float them down to the Mediterranean to the coast of Joppa for Solomon's royal construction projects, 1 Kings 5, 8-11, 2 Chronicles 2, 16, which included both his palace and the temple. Interestingly, while Hiram continued to be the dominant Lebanese contact, Solomon spoke of the woodworking skills of the Sidonians, possibly just a generic, a generic term for Phoenicians, as builders from Gibal, known by the Greeks as Byblos. Esbal was the father of Jezebel and king of Sidon. Many scholars follow Josephus against Appian, Antiquities 8, who was quoting Menander, and identify Esbal with Ithbael, Hebrew man of Baal, priest of Astarte who killed the king of Tyre and seized the throne. In fact, during many periods, the king of one city seemed to be considered the king of the other city by outsiders. Surprise, surprise, the original Tyrians were not Canaanites, but Asherites. This would explain the apparent discrepancy between Ezra, the priest king of Judah, who refused to allow the Samaritans to assist in rebuilding the temple versus Solomon who utilized of course as much later on in history. (coughs) Versus Solomon who utilized the Tyrians to do much of the work on the first temple. The only way that Yahweh would allow this is if the Tyrians were in fact Israelites. The Phoenicians never called themselves Canaanites. The reference to them as Sidonians would therefore be a territorial reference, probably because Sidonia was a much larger territory in comparison to Tyre. But Phoenicia was ruled from Tyre. And Phoenicia was, as we're finding out here, 100% Israelite. From the cumbersome link uh, below from the Scottish Christian Herald, we find that the Phoenicians never referred to themselves as Canaanites. Since most secular historians never dreamed that the Phoenicians were mainly Israelites, the Israelite connection to Tyre and Phoenicia has been misunderstood by these scholars. They have also been misled by the Jewish claim that they, the Jews, are Hebrews. But the Phoenicians were obviously Aryans, that is, descended from Noah and Heber and Israel, Abraham, etc., not hook-nosed, receding-forehead Jews. Little do these historians know that the Israelites were Aryans of Hebrew stock. Unless you understand that the Jews, being Edomites and Canaanites, at this point in history were and still are non-Hebrews and non-Israelites, you will be forever confused about biblical history in general, not just this period. Based upon the false Jewish claim to Israelite heritage, virtually all historians, with the exception of British Israel and Christian identity scholars, have falsely assumed that the Phoenicians were non-Israelites. Okay? So, the implication here is that Tyre was, in fact, an Israelite stronghold and Sidon was held in tribute by the Israelites, whether or not you know the, the Asherites initially took uh, possession of the land or not. But since this was the land of lumber, the Israelites would have had to be there to you know cut the lumber down and build their ships. So. Uh, In arguing that the Tyrians were Israelites, not Canaanites, the conduct of David and Solomon towards the Tyrians brings us also to the same conclusion. Though the Israelites were forbidden to have any dealings with the Canaanites, and though, in accordance with the divine command, David drove them from the promised land or brought them under bondage, both he and his son Solomon entered into the closest alliance with the Tyrians, who were also associated with, uh, that is, Judahites, in building the temple. Would David and Solomon have thus joined in league with them if they had been Canaanites whom the people of Israel were commanded to hold in abhorrence? This is the author. uh, I failed to record the name of the author, page 462. So we're running out of time. And so the bottom line is that it looks as though Ethbel, the son of Hiram, was a Tyrian, not a Zidonian, and he was simply... Oh, by the way, one important thing. To seal the deal, the author adds, quote, These arguments are further strengthened by the fact which Herodotus mentions, quote, Of the Phoenicians practicing circumcision, while the Philistines and Canaanites are always spoken of in Scripture as the uncircumcised. There you have it, folks. The secular evidence is that the Phoenicians, so-called, were circumcised, and the Israelites continued this practice even after breaking away from the southern two tribes, as is evidenced by the fact that when they crossed the Caucasus Mountains, they they still had circumcision knives called, oh, what do they call them, Uh, Celts. The circumcision, the stone, and you can sharpen stone to make it as sharp as steel, as the Celts. Okay, so and they still had these circumcision knives buried in their monuments, and those monuments have Hebrew inscriptions. So, ladies and gentlemen, my conclusion is that that Athaliah was a pure-blooded Israelite from all this evidence, whether she was. It doesn't even matter if she's the daughter of Jezebel. Jezebel could have been a, a pure-blooded Israelite, too. But all the evidence suggests otherwise, and that uh, she was the descendant of Omri, granddaughter of Omri, and, uh, and a sister of, of Ahab, okay? That's my conclusion. I think we're on good standing there. Take care, everybody. Yahweh bless. Bye-bye.